first of all, we have a new member of the family here. Um, Patrick and Caroline, the baby was born this, early this morning, um, around like 2 or 3 in the morning, Vesper Avenel Rose Colts. Um, and so everyone's healthy. They said this was, this is number four for them. This is the smoothest delivery yet. Uh, so we're excited about that. Thank you to everyone that's been praying for the Colts um, and for their labor and delivery. Those prayers were heard and answered. Um, and there will be an email going out probably next couple days, um, just for a meal sign up, as we uh, kind of uh, will always do with uh, folks that are going through transitions, whether it's a you know, new job or uh, some sort of time in the hospital for a surgery or something, or for a new baby being born. Easy way, a tangible way for us to love and serve um, families in the church and, and individuals in the church is just to provide some meals uh, for a season as they transition into a family of Six. Um, that feels like a lot. Then I remember we have that many in our family, um, and it is a lot. Um, but Vesper Avenel Rose Colts, to be praying uh, for the Colts. Um, and then next, I would love to have uh, Corey and Jasmine and their duo uh, kind of come on up. Uh, so Corey and Jasmine, we're going to pray for uh, Corey and Jasmine and their family this morning. Um, you guys uh, will know them by their lovely babies, best-dressed babies in the church. We don't give out an award, but if we did, they would win. Um, they always look amazing. Um, Jasmine and Corey have been part of the church for a while now, but are uh, making a transition. You guys can come on up here. Are making a transition uh, to Texas. Uh, so this is actually going to be their last Sunday, um, and we just wanted to have an opportunity just to pray for them as they transition, um, and they wanted to say a few words as well. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing today? Uh, welcome to Shia. <laughs> um, first of all, I just want to thank everyone who signed up for the meal sign-up. It has been such a blessing for us to not have to worry about our meals on certain days and extend it on to um, other days as well, um, everyone that has prayed for us and has just been checking up on us, we really, really appreciate the support just from you guys, um, from my um, personal church group, all my ladies. Um, I really, really love you guys, really appreciate you guys. The support that I get from you guys is unbelievable, and I really love this um, this support, and uh, I really hope that, um, you know, we can continue on uh, receiving the support from you guys and, um, you know, our babies, and we're so grateful. <laughs> Do you have anything to say? Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, we can clap for them. Stephanie <laughs> Corey, we... Um, are so grateful for the fact that God brought you here to be part of the church family for this season and to get to know your little boys um, and just the sweet family that you guys are. And we know there's a lot of transition, um, and we've all been through seasons of transition, and there's feelings of unknown, uh, feelings of what will community look like in a new place, uh, what will um, housing look like, and time together, and all of that, and we know the stress that goes with that. So uh, we'd love to pray for you all, um, but also just uh, recognize that once you are a part of the family at Redeemer, you are always a part of the family at Redeemer. Um, and so we know you'll be back in town because family's close by here, um, and we hope we get to continue to be in relationship for a long time, get to walk alongside each other. But let me pray for you all, and just join with me as we pray for this family. Father, we are so grateful um, that you are a big God, a big God that sees the needs of your people, um, that loves us dearly, and walks with us. Uh, Father, as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to Jasmine and Corey and these boys, I pray that you would 
um, hear our cries for them, that you would provide well for them as they transition to Texas. I pray for their marriage and for their, and for their relationship, uh, that you would provide for them um, and give them wisdom um, and care and love and, and kindness. Uh, I pray for their boys as they make the transition. I pray for sleep rhythms and sleep patterns. Um, I pray that you would uh, just provide peace uh, in their home um, and allow them to have uh, just a warmth um, and a, a time of, of kind of restoration as they uh, kind of transition to Texas. I pray uh, for jobs and for finances. I pray that you would bless them uh, in this transition as well. And more than anything, I pray that in this move that you would keep teach them and grow them into being uh, more and more mature followers of you. May the picture they have of you grow and expand through this transition. Uh, we love you and we love them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 We love you guys. Amen. Amen. Uh, and my last announcement is uh, that we will have family worship service next Sunday. Uh, so next Sunday, if you haven't gathered, there's a lot going on here at Redeemer. Um, and so family worship service, if you are new here, um, is a time where once a month we have all the kids that are ages four and up will join us in the service. Um, and so the service is modified a little bit uh, to accommodate for them, um, but it's a joy to have them in the room with us and worshiping alongside their parents and the rest of the believers here at the church. Um, and it's also uh, a Sunday where we, if we have child dedications or baptisms, we always do them on this Sunday of the month, and we have a child dedication uh, that Sunday coming up. Uh, so uh, just join us in a wonderful, wonderful Sunday that God has in store for us. And then right after that, like Christy said, we'll have the church potluck. So the room will flip, uh, and we will have a bunch of tables out and food. Uh, and so be on the lookout for more emails just with logistical details on that. Uh, but we look forward to a robust uh, Sunday morning on the 31st. Um, okay, without further ado, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Luke 11. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it will magically pop up on the screen behind me. Um, Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. And... Uh, this is just a, yeah, there's a lot, um, a lot for us to digest in this uh, beautiful, simple, uh, yet complex uh, passage. So let's get into the Bible together. Luke 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. 
The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. And we say this as a rhythm after every Bible reading at the church, but we do recognize that this word, the, the scripture, the Bible, is given to us to submit under. And we pray that you would give us hearts that are teachable, that are moldable. Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts collectively and individually that we are moldable by your scripture this morning. And Father, I pray for our church that you would continue to use the word of God, continue to use your word to grow us into men and women that look more and more like you. A community that looks more and more like the kingdom to come. And Father, we are so grateful for an opportunity to participate in your kingdom, to be a part of the church, the vehicle that you have given us to join in alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, may we honor and glorify you well in how we love each other. Father, we pray for those in our church who are hurting, whether it is financially, relationally, health-wise, with their job, whatever it is. We pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for opportunities for us to lay down our lives for each other and that through the Spirit we would respond as Christ responds to us. And Father, I do pray for us as we transition through the end of summer and transition back into the school year. You would give us wisdom both as individuals and families and as a church community to think of tangible ways that we can both grow and love each other well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, church, I want you all to think of a time in your life, whether it's when you were younger, you know, when you were, you know, teenage years or as an adult, when you were taught to do something. It could either have been that you were being taught by a coach or a teacher Um, But think about a time when you were the amateur, you're the beginner, you're the student, and the teacher or coach is the expert who's trying to help you learn something or improve at something. The musicians in the room, maybe you can remember when you were first learning to play the instrument that you were taught, whether growing up or as an adult. If you ever got lessons, even say with like the violin or the piano or something like that, You can remember how if you had the violin, you would put it in your left hand if you're right-handed, and had the bow in your right hand, how you naturally held it, and then you got to your first lesson, and the teacher shifted everything around. There was an adjustment that had to be made, and if you are like, you know, 99% of the world, that adjustment didn't feel right. She'd move your elbow up or down, have the bow kind of shifted to a different angle, but she would have you hold the violin in the correct way, though it didn't feel correct to you at all. 
Or maybe you can remember learning to hold a pencil, or for some of you, maybe even teaching your children how to properly hold a pencil. No one, I mean, no one I've ever seen picks up a pencil and naturally holds it correctly. But a good teacher knows that in order to have good handwriting, it starts with how you hold the pencil. And there's a period of time when it feels awkward with the positioning of your hands, getting your fingertips just right, though we have to get through that season in order to to have penmanship that is legible and helpful for the rest of your life. I stand before you as an example of someone who failed at that. As you as you know me, the friends that know me well, who have ever received something that I've written, realized it is not only can you not read it, oftentimes I can't even read it. My kids were at summer camp earlier this summer, and all the parents, you know, they asked you to say, oh, it's a good idea to write a letter, and my daughter is probably the only child at the entire camp that got a typed out letter from her father. It's like we had like a business deal we were making when she was at camp and I just had to say or she probably had to admit to her bunkmates like yeah he just can't write like legibly at all so that's why he's typing this out. Somehow when I was six or five whenever that lesson had I said no 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 this doesn't feel right I'm just going to stick to my way. Another example, if you've ever played sports and you've had a coach who's taken your natural form and corrected it, you remember thinking, this cannot be right. Take a basketball shot. I played a little bit of basketball when I was little, but never kind of made it far enough, never progressed far enough to play in high school or anything. But on the flip side, I have a little sister who was good at every sport she ever tried. Multiple sports in high school, including basketball. And I can remember playing horse with her in a little, you know, a shooting game uh, when I was in college and she was in high school. And she looked at me after she'd won like four straight games and she looked at me and she says, well, Drew, why do you shoot it like that? And I said, sis, like this is how I've done it my entire life. There's nothing wrong with how I shoot it. Never mind the fact that I hadn't beaten her in horse in probably like three years at that point and have never, have never beaten her since. She came over, and at that point, she repositioned my arms and said, all right, you need to shoot it this way. And I, and I got my elbow out front, got my knees bent, eyes on the rim, follow through, and just swish after swish after swish. But then, lo and behold, like, you know, two weeks later, I'm just back to my old way of doing it because it just didn't feel great. And I wasn't willing to kind of stick with that feeling of this doesn't feel correct in order to get those new patterns ingrained in me. Can anyone relate to this. So what I'm talking about today is uh, the main idea of this sermon is are we willing to have our prayer life shaped by Jesus? One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to, he, said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So in this passage, Jesus has been asked by his disciples to teach them to pray. There's this beautiful longing in these men to experience more intimacy with God through prayer. A longing to grow in spiritual maturity, and they, they understand that that spiritual maturity comes through a vibrant prayer life. So they've gone to the teacher, gone to the master, and said, please teach us to pray. And I can't help but think as I read and studied Jesus' answer this week that though obviously correct in his teaching on prayer, he is the Son of God, it rubs up against 
our natural way of thinking about prayer and therefore our natural way of thinking about God and interacting with Him. You may have read this, and we say it every Sunday as part of the liturgy with communion, and you, and you, you know it by heart, and you know, somebody throws in a, uh, you know, a debtors versus a, a debts and throws you all off based on what you learned growing up, but you know this by heart, but have we ever allowed this short passage to shape how we interact with God? Or do we read it and then go back to our old ways? Because the reality is that however we think about God, this dictates how we pray to Him. The reality is that our understanding and participation in prayer always goes back to our understanding of God. So there's two questions that I want us to ask of ourselves today. And the first one is, do we understand and really believe that God is our Father? In the Old Testament, God is only referred to as Father 13 times. The concept is there, but is not pushed over and over again like it is in the New Testament. But then, in the New Testament, Jesus referred to God as Father over 150 times. He spoke of God as being our Father even 30 times, the communal aspect of that. So therefore, this has to be foundational Or Jesus wouldn't have started the Lord's Prayer when the disciples are saying, hey, teach us how to do this. Literally, he opens it up by saying, Father, or Our Father, depending on the translation. And now I'm not 100% positive. There may be some scholars out there that can correct me on this if I'm wrong. But honestly, in my study of this this week, I did not see a time where Jesus ever addressed God without calling Him Father. So therefore, our understanding of who God is and that relationship we have as children to Father is foundational to our understanding of how to interact with Him. So though we believe this, we have to understand that when this was presented back in the day, when Jesus presented this idea, it infuriated the religious leaders. John 5 says, it's after an exchange about when they challenged Jesus about the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried to kill, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. This idea of Jesus referring to God as Father, and then inviting us to call God Father, not only was not accepted by the religious leaders of the day, but led them to want to murder Jesus. Infuriated them. So when we read these stories in the New Testament, there are religious people going up against Jesus so often... Oh, often when we do this, we place ourselves, we read a story about Jesus versus the religious leaders that were in the wrong, and so often we place ourselves on the side of Jesus. We look at those religious leaders and we're like, gosh, how could you ever respond that way? That is absurd. This is the Son of God we're talking about. If I put myself back in a situation, if that was me, I'm sure I would have been on Jesus' side, just high five right behind him saying, you're right, Jesus, you're, I'm 100% with you. But if we're honest, it may be more accurate and healthy to actually think maybe we're more like the ones that Jesus 
is challenging. I mean, this idea of, of God as Father is something that we can get our heads around. All of us would say, yes, I believe that God is Father. Galatians 4, 5 tells us that we are adopted into the family. But when the, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive what? Adoption to sonship. But the question is not, do we believe it in our heads? It's do we actually believe it in our hearts? Now, we may not be threatening to kill Jesus over like the religious leaders of his day, but we would be wise to admit just how, how hard this concept is for us. We naturally struggle to believe that God truly treats us as his kids and that he's a good father to us. So often when we get this wrong, we either treat him like he's some distant dad that only shows up maybe at our birthday or Christmas. Some gifts here and there, but do we really believe that he cares about our intimate day-to-day life? He may care about the big things, yes. If we are in the hospital, we cry out and we think that he's listening there. If we're going through an extremely difficult time, yes, he's listening there. But the picture we have from Scripture is that he's incredibly involved. Or on the flip side, you know, another er erroneous way we think about God is that sometimes we think about him more as a boss than a dad. And this may relate to some of you in ways the last one didn't. If God is our boss, if he is our employer, then even though he might be a very good boss and very fair employer, nevertheless, at the end of the day, we wonder, is he unconditionally committed to us? Some of you are even entered the church building with a knot in your stomach saying, oh, if everybody knew what I've done this week, would I be accepted here. And the bigger question you have is, if everybody knew what I did this week, would God accept me here? When those fears creep up inside of us, it's indicative, it, it helps us understand that our view of God is not necessarily as a good father, but as a fair boss that can always pull the plug on our job at one point or another. And a question to ask yourself is, how quickly do I share with God the joys of my life? How quickly do you take the things that happen in your day-to-day -day life and share them with God? And if you're slow to do it, like I so often am, it's usually because you view God in one of these two ways. A distant father who doesn't really care, or a boss who is only interested in what you produce. Or another question you can ask yourself is, how quickly do I confess sin? And the same thing here. It's either a distant father who maybe doesn't care what I'm going through, or a boss who might be mad at me. And the beauty of this is that this is an invitation for us. It's an invitation for us to lean in that as, you know, as great as you all know these sermons are that we give you, these are invitations for you to lean in to the truths of Scripture and apply them to your lives. These 20 minutes, you're hopefully hearing truth. You're hopefully getting to understand the Scripture a little bit more. But the other, you know, thousand plus minutes of the week, 
are the time where you sit with the Lord. You have opportunities to integrate these truths into your life and ask yourselves these questions of, am I understanding God as Father? Because a fruitful prayer life, which we'd all want, comes from a foundational conviction that He is Father, and not only is Father, but He's totally for you. Without hesitation on His part, He's wholly for your good, and this truth has to sink in. We've been adopted into the family of God, and Jesus gives the disciples and uses this model for us as a way to correct our natural tendencies. And though it may not feel right, it's the teacher molding us. And the second question I have for us here is, what are we, will, are we willing to give up control? So when we think about a text like this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. The religious leaders of the day, they pushed back on Jesus calling God Father. But let's also see that Jesus did plenty of pushing back on those religious leaders themselves. And one particular way he pushed back was in regards to prayer. Matthew 6, 7 says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Pastor Mac, earlier this month at a devotional for our, one of our staff meetings, he talked about this passage, or, or the, the other one in the Gospels, and he talked about the significance of the brevity, of the shortness of this prayer. In contrast to the religious leaders that went on babbling on and on and on and on. And some of what I'm going to share comes straight from his talk to us as a staff. You see, to be honest, if I'm honest, when I read this passage over and over, the the idea about Jesus chastising the religious leaders, I always saw that simply as a command or a correction to long prayers. Kind of a rebuke to them. But what I see when I read this and what Leon helped me to understand is that this is more than just a correction by Jesus, but it's an invitation to trust in the Lord and our following of Him. Don't hear me say that it's wrong to pray for specific things. We just listened to a passage from Genesis where Abraham's praying for specific things. We're called to do this. But what we see here in the model of prayer is a radically simple submission to the fact that God is in control and we are not. Amen? Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. This idea of control is an idol for every single one of us. And if you don't believe that control is a major issue in your life, think back on this week when someone or something disrupted your plan the day? And what was your reaction to it? Or maybe disrupted your plan for the week or what your plans were for the month. So often when life, as we have it planned out, doesn't go in that direction, what is the feeling that we get? We get that pit in our stomach. We start to get nervous in our bodies. We feel the outcome that we are wanting slipping away from our fingers. We realize the thing that we desire to happen may not, or in some cases, 
definitely is not going to happen the way we want it to or happen at all. And then how do we respond? It's a little different for all of us, but so often this lack of control, when that sinks into us, is what leads us to so much of the anxiety in our lives. Anxiety defined upon the screen as a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Now we acknowledge, just like whenever we talk about mental health struggles, that they're unbelievably complex. And it's not just pray away our mental health issues. We don't believe in that as a church, and we, we would, would challenge that, that thought process. But I also want to be able to acknowledge that so often our struggle to be okay with outcomes that we cannot control leads us to anxiety. And the invitation we have here is to come before the Father who loves us and say, your kingdom come. Say to him, give us each day our daily bread. When we start to feel powerless and out of control, Instead of responding with a, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, our grip gets tighter on our lives. We try to gain control or move into the opposite, move into a direction of despair or hopelessness. For some of us, we simply ping pong back and forth between the two. Or for some of us, we, we realize, oh, this area of my life is out of control. Or I, I cannot control it, so we've got to try to control everything else in our lives. If I can't control my spiraling, spiraling marriage or my job issue or the, my children's you know, future or the health of a loved one, at least I can kind of make sure that this little area of my life is tidy and neat. And parents, you see this. You see this anxiety kind of building up in you as your children get older. See, when our kids are small... We clearly don't control everything. We would not say that, but there is a whole lot we do control. We determine what they eat. When they're real little, we determine what they wear. Who is watching them? The list goes on and on. But as they get older, and the timeline varies from family to family, but you truly have less and less and less control. And as parents of, of, of kids that are 6, 8, 10, and 12, we're beginning to feel this. And there are parents with children who are older than ours and younger than ours at this church. But what I've heard over and over again from the parents with older children is the struggle that it is to release control of your children. And, oh, hello. And the beauty of this is when we see it as a church family, we can walk alongside each other to recognize that when we see this anxiety, when we see this lack of control, it's coming back to the truth of Scripture, which frees us. But it's not just parents who face this lack of control. It's all of us in this church have had some sort of issue in our life that feels out of our control. And so when I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking, what is a story that comes to mind to help me illustrate this? I kept hearing the Lord give me story after story actually from your lives. And so without getting all of your permission, I wasn't going to, you know, say your stories in front of the church. But I kept thinking of stories of you all who have walked through health issues 
where you don't know the end of it and have had to sit before the Lord and put your hands out and say, it's not my will, but your will be done. You have gone through financial issues, looking at the Lord saying, let your kingdom come. Just give me my daily bread. I can't manipulate the outcomes here. So I want to take a moment, and I know this is, you know, a little bit not everybody's comfort zone here, but I want you in your seats to name the things that you've had to release control of. Because one of the lies that the devil feeds us as a church community is that we're the only ones. If I struggle with something, everybody else must have this together. It's just me. And so you're not just in a few words. I'd love for you just to where you are, sitting down or standing up, just to proclaim the things that you've had to release control of. So I'd love to invite you to do that right now. 